From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And the budget wars are heating up. Uh, House Republicans had their annual policy conference in Orlando this week. And they are really trying to wrestle with what to do with their quest for spending cuts, whether they can really balance the budget as they had initially hoped. Uh, And meanwhile, there's a a war of words here in Washington between the Democrats and Republicans over what these spending cuts would mean. We want to talk about all that and where these budget and debt limit talks stand. To do that, I've got Lindsay McPherson, who covers leadership and the politics of appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Lindsay. Glad to be back, David. And Aiden Quigley, who covers appropriations night and day for CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here again, Aiden. Thanks for having me. So, Lindsay, let me start with you because, um, you know, Republicans had their policy conference down in Orlando. You were there. And you got an opportunity to sit down with the chairman of the House Budget Committee, uh, Jody Arrington, a Texas Republican, who I thought was pretty candid in your interview about the dilemma they're facing here and telling you that that he thinks they're now going to need more time to produce this this budget that they're trying to come up with uh, because it's getting complicated. Right. So, I mean, there are multiple factors as to why they need more time. They've kind of been broadcasting for a few weeks now that because the president's budget request was going to be late and being submitted to Congress, it was, you know, submitted in part on March 9th, I believe it was, um, and in full a few days after that they, their budget too would be delayed. You know, that budget president's budget kicks off this process. They look at what the president's proposing. They put up their own stuff. Um, but there are other things he talked about in the interview that, you know, I hadn't heard an argument for. One was the fact that they want to kind of create some space between the debt limit and the budget. The president and Democrats have been really trying to tie the Republicans' budget proposals and all their spending cuts to the debt limit. And I, yes, Republicans are seeking some spending cuts in the debt limit. But everything they put in their budget resolution may not be a specific demand on the debt limit. I think they want to kind of detangle the two debates a little. Um, But that's uh, an interesting – they've set themselves up for an interesting dilemma now because he told you that they wanted to delay the budget a little really to to let Speaker Kevin McCarthy have a little more flexibility as he tries to potentially negotiate a debt limit deal with President Biden – and yet Biden's position is he wants to see a Republican budget before they can keep talking along those lines. So it seems like n- neither side wants to go first here. And they're kind of in this standoffish posture that uh, hasn't been broken yet. Right. Right. And that that is the problem is that, you know, President Joe Biden has said exactly that he does not want to negotiate with Republicans until he sees their budget. And frankly, he also doesn't want to negotiate with them on the debt limit period that he thinks that should be a clean debt limit increase, no strings attached. And he's saying we can have these debates about spending and budgets, but that should be separate. So I think in him saying, I want to wait to see their plan before I even sit down with McCarthy again, he's kind of saying there's no point in even having a spending debate because we're not entertaining demands on the debt limit 
and you don't even have your spending proposals out there. So what's the point of talking further where Republicans are pretty insistent that they won't, uh, you know, McCarthy's communicated to Biden that Republicans won't pass a clean debt limit increase and that they need to have these negotiations to get to a resolution. Um, they, he does say everything else is on the table other than a clean debt debt limit increase and tax increases. So they floated a number of ideas like kind of casually, some that had, you know, are percolating a little more. Another thing I wrote about um, from Orlando at the retreat is there's interest in, for example, tying their energy package um, that they're passing on the house floor next week. Um, HR one, some of that, the permitting process, um, streamlining that to the debt limit, for example, would be an option. They've talked about work requirements for welfare programs and things other than just the spending cuts that we've been talking about here for weeks. So they want to have those discussions with Biden, but he's not engaging. So it is kind of just a wait and see mode. Yeah. And it really does show you how difficult this is. I mean, this is, you know, the first Republican controlled house Biden has had to contend with in his presidency, and it's changed the whole dynamics already. Um, the the Republican-controlled House Budget Committee uh, this week did have a hearing with the White House Budget Director, uh, and they really did make clear that they're preparing for a wholesale rewrite of Biden's budget. You know, they bashed his tax increases. They insisted they need work requirements on things like food stamps and an expanded child tax credit. They expressed alarm at, at, at the rising deficits that would be allowed under Biden's budget, even as he claims some deficit reduction. Um, they really just did a whole attack that says we're in for a major rewrite. And I think Jody Arrington's problem is a major rewrite is going to take time. And it's not clear to me that there's really consensus within this narrow House majority, you know, bare majority, um, that they'll have the votes for for a plan that that's going to pass muster here with their caucus that meets this requirement to pare back the spending levels and do these other things. And if they need more time, I think th- that is going to trip up the debt limit issue. I mean. Th- they know they need to increase the debt limit by summer, by most estimates, to avoid this this cataclysm here, this d- potential default on obligations. And and you can see how time is quickly going to slip away because it's clear that neither side is prepared to give ground yet, right? I mean, Democrats are still saying they want a clean debt limit increase. You know, forget all the spending talk, and Republicans are saying no way. Uh, we did all this spending. It triggered, ma- un- under, you know, for the last two years, it triggered massive inflation in their view caused by that. And that forced up interest rates. We have a banking crisis. We can't just do a clean debt limit increase. And so here we are. I don't, I mean, I don't see, it seems like months could go by before anything breaks now, Lindsay. What, what, what's the outlook? Well, yeah, if they're not negotiating, they're there is no solution. You know, House Republicans seem to be interested in cutting a bipartisan deal because they're aware that they have to get something through the Senate, which will require Democratic support. And obviously, Biden, at the end of the day, will have to sign it. So I think they're not wasting time on kind of Republican messaging bills at this point. And in part, because maybe it would be difficult to get the votes for something that they could pass on their own. But they do 
think it would be more productive to just sit down with the president and work something out that he can then sell to his party and get through both chambers. But if Democrats don't want to negotiate, there's it's just an impasse and there's no way to resolve it. You know, as far as yeah. I can see. So but they did make they did make a little a little progress, I would think, because it does seem now as though the initial talk among Republicans to produce a balanced budget over 10 years has gone by the wayside, right? Yeah, the impression I got from the chairman, Jody Arrington, was that, yes, they're still hoping, you know, to balance the budget if possible. That, but, you know, he talked about that as more of an aspirational goal, goal. And it always is, you know, a 10-year budget blueprint is not enforceable. It's just laying out the party's vision. The only enforceable part is the top line for the current the fiscal year coming up. So in this case, fiscal 2024, where they'll set the 302A that'll enforce how the House writes its spending bills. So they're more focused on, you know, and he said, this is kind of their priority is getting spending down in the next fiscal year or two to those fiscal 22 levels that we've been talking about. That was part of the deal in the speaker's race to keep spending, to return spending to those levels. And so that's what they're more focused on achieving and what else comes with it will have to be negotiated based on what can get enough votes on the floor. And so they're kind of lowering the expectation that while, yes, we're still trying to get a budget that balances, that that might not happen because of the politics of the conference. They have a 222 seat majority. That means they can only lose for Republicans and still adopt a budget on the floor because they won't get any Democratic votes. And so they don't have a lot of room to maneuver. Plus, um, the chairman, Jody Arrington, made the point that the deficit has increased significantly and to balance the budget um, costs about $15 trillion. To, you'd have to wipe that out over 10 years. And that's a lot compared to when he first started, um, you know, as a, on the budget committee as a freshman in 2017, he said the amount at the time to balance the budget was $6 trillion. So that's an exponential increase. And that just requires a lot more maneuvering and cuts in the budget to get there. So I think he's just acknowledging that the politics might dictate that it's not feasible, not that he personally couldn't write a budget that would balance, he could, but that there are other more centrist-minded lawmakers who, from swing districts that might have trouble voting for stuff like that. And so that's kind of what they're working through. But um, the one thing I would point out that was significant is from my interview with him is he said the budget will assume that the fiscal 22 levels stay in place for the most part over the next decade, but allowing for 1% annual growth. And that is in line with a proposal that the Freedom Caucus had recently put out. So I think to start from that conservative position, which frankly from the Freedom Caucus was kind of a compromise because that alone would not get the budget to balance. That's only about close to $3 trillion in savings over the decade. That they're kind of starting to find common ground um, and the chairman told me that basically so far that nobody's objected to that plan, you know, particularly the members on the committee who represent all corners of the conference are fine with that. And so that that is significant that they're starting to coalesce around what spending could look like over the next decade. Yeah, that was striking to me was that even the ultra right House Freedom Caucus folks didn't propose a balanced budget plan. Uh, they were only proposing holding spending down to the fiscal 2022 levels, which is still a huge cut, 
but not the trillions of dollars that would be needed, as you point out, uh, to actually bring the budget into balance. And Aiden, even this effort to bring fiscal spending, discretionary spending down to the level of last year, you know, it's still a huge cut. And we've we've seen a war of words now on Capitol Hill relentlessly, day after day, pounding on this from Democrats trying to push back because of what they say would be, you know, all of these devastating cuts to all kinds of programs. Where is this leading? How 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 uh, intense is this is this battle getting? Yeah, so it's definitely kind of the start of uh, a little back and forth, especially on the House side. Um, the Senate, Senate Democrats for a couple of weeks have been having press conferences talking about these cuts, but Monday kind of represented the first big step by House Democrats with Rosa DeLauro, the ranking member, laying out these responses that she got from the agency heads about what effect um, cuts back to the fiscal 2022 levels would have on their agencies. Um, obviously, these are pretty uh, you know wide-ranging cuts. They talked about you know, thousands of people losing Pell Grants, um, 200,000 children losing access to preschool, uh, cuts to food assistance programs, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, the White House also has been involved, uh, highlighting a few different areas that the cuts would affect as well, including Medicare and um, national security, although House Republicans would say that, you know, they've taken defense kind of off the off the table for cuts. Um, they took Medicare off the table too, I think. Yeah, yeah. As part of the, uh, the, the on that note, the administration was talking about the re- repealing last year's um, Inflation Reduction Act and the effect that, that would have on some provisions, but uh, which is something that House Republicans are talking about. A little separate from the spending conversation, though. Um, House Republicans are pushing back. Uh, Chairwoman Kate Granger released a statement on Wednesday. Um, saying that the Republicans were going to work to cut waste, fraud, and abuse from the government spending and do so without impacting national defense, veterans, or the services that Americans depend on, which is pretty uh, not as clear what what that means. Defense and veterans, that's a little more more clear. Um, And the House Freedom Caucus as well has been uh, hitting back against the White House, you know, border security is something the White House said would would suffer under these cuts and, and the Freedom Caucus's response. Uh, Scott Perry has said, uh, has, has really pushed back against that as well. Yeah, what was interesting there to me, Aiden, was Kay Granger, the, the Texas Republican who chairs the House Appropriations Committee, did put out that statement this week that was pretty milk toast in what it said, right? It just said, we're going to cut responsibly. We're not going to harm programs that are needed. You know, nothing dramatic in what she said. What was interesting to me was the fact that she felt the need to issue the statement at all. The fact that they felt the need to issue the statement means to me that they're feeling pressure from Democrats as, in these, as they relentlessly pound on the cuts that could happen that Republicans might be considering, Granger finally felt the need to push back with a statement of her own to say, trying to say, no, don't worry, you know, vital programs will be protected. But it it signals that they're, they're, they, they may be having an effect, this, this Democratic offensive 
as they as they every day try to come out with more and more programs that are subject to the budget acts, right? Yeah, I mean, I think when the White House and House Democrats are really putting, you know, kind of pedal to the metal here, highlighting this every single day, memos. It was really the push of the week by the White House. I think House Republicans did feel the need to uh, respond in in some way. Uh, I, I I don't. Th- I personally wasn't surprised to see see a response from from you know Granger uh, since it was kind of the big. The big push by Democrats this week, and and it had you know Deloro's effort to and the White House effort to lay these cuts out got a lot of press uh, early in the week, so it def- wasn't a surprise to me to see some kind of pushback, uh, even if it was not as it wasn't exactly a full punch back at, at what the uh, Democrats have been doing. Now, but on the Senate side, Aiden, it seems like there might be a little more bipartisan cooperation going that we might see spending bills move. Fairly soon? How quickly? Uh, so, you know, I think it's it's too early to to say, uh, you know, when we'll see spending bills, especially it's early in the process. Both sides are saying the right things. They want to work together on the Senate side. They want to return to regular order. They're having their hearings. They want to work together. Uh, but, you know, as I laid out in this piece last week, there it's really kind of challenging to reach a top line agreement when the House is going to be writing to such a lower number than Senate Republicans would have to get on board for to move, you know, to get a top line agreement in the Senate. Um, and then, you know, the Democrats would ha- kind of be negotiating down a little bit to reach where Senate Republicans are, which could, you know, hurt their positioning against the House Republicans by you know, already coming down to a lower number before those negotiations begin in earnest. So it will be interesting to see how how the Senate conversations go and progress, but it's definitely like very, very early in, in that process. And here's the other issue at play, I think, uh, for whoever wants to take this. But I mean, Republicans are in a bit of a bind, I think, because on the one hand, they want to get spending bills moving, right? But on the other hand, they don't want to. They don't necessarily want to tip their hand too early as to where these cuts are really going to come from, because they're trying to come up with private talks with Biden to get a debt limit deal. And if they if they put their stuff on the table so publicly and then get bashed for it, that might make it harder to 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 come to anything on a on a debt limit conceivably, right? I mean, there's it's there's really a I think that's why there's a bit of a bind as to how to move now. Well, I wouldn't say it makes it harder because of they're going to get bashed for it because they're, as Aiden just talked about, they're getting bashed either way. In this vacuum of no plan of what their cuts are, Democrats are filling it in the blanks and saying, here's what all, all could get right, cut. Right. And some of it's accurate and some of it Republicans are saying, no, that's not what we'd cut. So until they put their plan out, Democrats will just kind of fill the void and attack them regardless. I think the issue more is that they do want to separate to some degree and that, that like there's still going to be a conversation about certain spending cuts on the debt limit potentially, but they do, they just want to separate negotiations from the debt limit, which is going to come sooner than negotiations from the budget and spending process of appropriations or deadline is later than the debt limit. And it's, it is hard to separate them to, the- yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know how you separate them so cleanly. I, I mean, I know, I know, Biden says there should be debt limit should be clean, but 
I, you know, he also knows that, th- that there's no way Republicans will back a clean one, and he needs their votes. He needs some of their votes to get it, make it happen. Um, right. It's definitely like a little political play, you know, like what's the inter- most interesting dynamic to me is that neither chamber probably has the votes to pass something on their own to argue, well, we did something and the other side didn't because House Republicans probably can't f- put forward a plan to cut spending at drastic levels that would get conservative support and still retain all their moderates and to pass without any Democrats. And on, you know, and then likewise on the Senate side, the Senate Democrats can't put forward a clean debt limit and get that through without 60 votes. They won't have any Republican support enough for most likely wouldn't have enough Republican support for a clean debt limit. So, you know, both sides are going to be, they're trying to point the blame preemptively at each other, but really no one's going to be able to act to truly like prevent the blame from falling on them. Well, it's a mess right now. Uh, there's going to be another week of of budget hearings coming up, and then they have an they have their uh, April Easter recess break, I think, and we'll get feedback from their constituents at home. Um, and meanwhile, time will be slipping away. Um, very precarious state, I think, right now. We don't know whether this banking crisis explodes a bit more and puts more pressure on them. And how that plays into the debt limit. There's a lot, lot of moving pieces here, a lot to watch. We will be covering it all for you, but that's all the time we have for today. You can find all our coverage at CQ.com or rollcall.com. Thanks again, Lindsay McPherson, for joining me. Thanks, David. Thank you, Aiden Quigley. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next time. <laughs>